0: Welcome to this week's edition, I say this week's edition, this month's edition of the Red Voices Podcast. Thank you as ever for joining us. Apologies for the radio sound. So the last few weeks. Number one, I was on holiday, and last week we did actually get a nice big wrap-up episode over the last month uh, with our friend Paul Gunning, who will be returning to the podcast, so many announcement there. But unfortunately, my laptop decided to lose it, so that was ideal. Anyway, Rich, how are we doing?
1: Hello, I'm not too bad, not too bad. Slightly, slightly better than the last time we spoke last week. This is very moving. true.
0: We do have a lot of games to cover, but we're on the Sunday night here, just after uh, that draw with Liverpool. Um, considering where your mood could be to where it is currently now, what, where would you rate yourself?
1: <sighs> I'm trying to be objective about the whole thing. You know, considering that the, the run of form we've been on prior to that, you know, the games we actually did speak about last week, which were almost exclusively abysmal, given that we we're playing a team who'd won the last 17 premier league games in Iran were and we're going for their record equaling 18th to get a point from a game that i think most people expected we'd probably get a bit of a hiding in was was a relative positive but the the obvious kicker is that it was another game we should have won and then didn't and so it feels quite flat afterwards i feel more frustrated i guess this week than last week when i was just hugely annoyed <laughs> that sounds about <laughs>
0: right I mean, I'm doing well. Thank you for that.
1: Oh, sorry about that. How are you doing? Oh, that, 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 I'm all right, <laughs> Rich.
0: Um, I'm good. Thank you. I mean, it, it's a day that was uh, fraught with danger from the off for any, any Welsh uh, United fan. <laughs> Just purely because of the rugby first thing this morning against France, which uh, almost did go very, very pear-shaped. Followed by the Manchester derby over at the Lee Sports Village, which we won. And then the game this afternoon at Old Trafford. So yeah. A day fraught with danger, relatively well navigated, I'd say. Um, I guess before we get on to Liverpool, you know, because it's been a while since we've done one of these, I guess we've got some episodes to, or some games to cover. So uh, do your best one word review or couple word review on these last six or seven games that we played. Uh, Astana. Uh,
1: oh, clunky. <laughs> clunky, 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 but saved by Wonder Kid.
0: That's about right. Okay, West yeah. Ham.
1: Dire and hopeless and hapless.
0: Dire, hopeless, hapless. Like that. Yeah. Uh, Rochdale in the League Cup. Just in case you wanted a reminder, that was the game where we conceded a goal to a sixteen-year-old and then beat Rochdale, who were in League One. If I fire Corelli on penalties.
1: And, and who'd lost a few days before to Peterborough six 0 Yes. I think. I think I'd say, wow, that was bad.
0: Okay. Any more than that, or
1: Oh wow, we're bad. Yeah. I, I think that was that was. Probably the game that really put the put the willies up me um, after the <laughs> so to speak so to speak the metaphorical after the West Ham game which was just horrible to you know we're thinking well at least you know we we'll get a, get a win against a team which is absolutely hopeless defensively um, just to you know, lift the mood a bit but what happened instead was that we were largely terrible didn't win the game and Paul Pogba was played for ninety minutes with what we now know is Fisher in a bone, thus became unavailable for all of the games since. So, so well, what should have been a, a, a very light pick-me-up pick turned out to be an even heavier dunking.
0: Yeah, I mean, we are back in Old Trafford, what, five days later against uh, Arsenal in a game in which uh, Mr McSauce managed to get a quite decent long-range effort, even if it was slightly deflected, and that was the one-all draw with Arsenal. I mean... that was it was a pretty dire match really wasn't it I mean again I think we carved out what two decent maybe one decent opportunity and that was uh, McTominay's header in the second half after Touman Zebi had unfortunately set Mbameyang up for that equaliser in the second half but no that was pretty wretched Um, and there's not really much more to say about that one really I mean Moving on to Alkmaar three days later. I mean, in terms of an interesting game, that was probably the worst of the bunch by some distance. I mean, at least in some of the games that we've lost or drawn over the last several weeks, there was something interesting to them. Alkmaar was just awful. And the only way you could see that game ending was perhaps them getting a plucky late winner. And thankfully it didn't come, but we were left to rue a penalty not given in a game against a... What's the best way of describing Alkmaar? A bit of a no-nonsense Dutch side—is that the best way? I don't know. I mean, it's pretty bland, wasn't it? It was pretty awful.
1: It was. It was weird. It? it was. It was another game after the Arsenal game that really worried me, and just how distinctly average United looked. And it hasn't really mattered which eleven we put out in the, the games we've spoken about. United didn't look any a lot, a lot different, and and you could see in the Outmar game that Outmar spent the first ten or fifteen minutes thinking we need to just keep it tight and. You know, see what United have got, and and try not to to lose a goal early on. And you could see after that first ten fifteen minutes, they they thought to themselves, "Christ, this lot like useless." <laughs> so we don't need to do that anymore. Mm-hmm. And I think you know, ultimately, De Gea had a pretty good game, made a couple of really good saves, and you know, United couldn't really have complained if we'd lost that game one nil. But but then, having said that, at the end, it was it was a penalty, and and Lingard missed a a really really good chance. Right before the end, but it's another game that was really, really worrying because we brought in a raft of other players. We brought in guys like Gomez and, and Greenwood again, and, and all these guys that you hope will be playing for their places. But I think the, the most concerning thing is that we, there hasn't just there hasn't been any evidence of any patterns of play in our attacking play. And if you don't score goals and you rarely keep clean sheets, you're going to struggle to win games. And that's kind of the overall takeaway from the last month. Of Of matches really it's it's we just don't seem to be able to score many goals and and we really struggle for clean sheets when I mean, we got one that night, but we couldn't really have complained if we hadn't it was really no hard.
0: i mean that was that was another evening where we didn't actually get a shot on target and i'm pretty if unless my memory is deceiving me, I'm pretty sure we didn't get one there one two three days later at St James's park now that was another awful game, good grief. Um, I mean, you could see that result coming a mile off, couldn't you? You know, Newcastle had just been tonked by Leicester about a week previously. Uh, You know, they weren't on a great run of form. And you could just see it coming. You know, it was a very similar pattern to what, as you said, that we've seen in the last month. You know, occasional defensive errors aside, we don't necessarily create create much. We're pretty nondescript. And then we don't take the chances that we actually make. You know, Harry Maguire was the chief culprit. You know, with that one one decent header that we had in the entire game, prolonging this seemingly decade long search for a goal from a set piece. Lord knows when that's gonna come. And it didn't come today either against Liverpool. But yeah, that that was a real low point. And I think then the strange one after that game against Newcastle was how little I kind of cared to an extent. Obviously it was you could see it coming a mile off, and I'm not suggesting that I've you know, I've it wasn't uh, deeply disappointing to watch us lose, but at the same po- at the same point, it just seems so disgustingly obvious that that was obviously what was going to happen. And as soon as um, we went one 0 down, that was pretty much it. You know, you couldn't see us coming back into the game and you know, Newcastle fully deserve that win you know I mean, it's been quite a nice two weeks off really to be honest <laughs> coming yeah. back into things you know especially with the game against Liverpool considering that magnificent run of form they've been on you know they've been, as, as was mentioned in the commentary tonight what is it 18 months worth of championship winning form really isn't it you know they've been exceptional and that's not been enjoyable to watch whatsoever and I guess you know as you mentioned earlier on, the frustration comes from the fact that, you know, at the beginning of that game, half four, you're thinking if we can get through this game with a draw or a decent performance, then, you know, that'll, we'll accept that. Having gone through that game and seen little Liverpool create so little and then concede to essentially which was a comedy of defensive errors from three or four people and give away a late equaliser considering that we kept things incredibly tight that does tend to hit you in a slightly different way I mean what what's your reading of the game you know when we on to Liverpool now what's your take on
1: it well I said earlier in the season I guess before this difficult run that when we've got our better players most of our better players fit that I think Oli generally sets sets the team up pretty well and we had in the first kind of six weeks of the season, we had a lot of games where we were very good in the first half. You know, Wolves and Southampton particularly, and we were very good in the first half, pressing very well, largely dominated the play in terms of being dangerous and actually giving the opposition a real problem on the counter-attack. But then dropping off in the second half because you can't possibly keep that that intensity up. And what, and that actually disappeared in the last month or so, and I think that's to in large part because... The squad is so thin, and we'd lost Pogba, we'd lost Wan we'd lost Martial, and you just can't lose that that quality and and hope to really keep that that level of performance up. And obviously, with Wan Bissaka coming back today, Martial was back on the bench again. I think I think Wan Bissaka makes an enormous amount of difference. But what I thought was 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 positive is that we there were quite a few people saying, and I thought it made sense as well that that United should perhaps be looking to move to a three at the back. We know we've got a really unbalanced squad. And but what we do have is three decent centre backs, and we've got two. We've got a guy in Ram who can certainly play as a wing back, and then a few options on left wing back as well. And it allowed us to get two players in the box. And when you can't score, it's 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 important you get more players forward because Rashford was hopelessly isolated at Newcastle. It sort of gave me heart that we that we made that change because something needed to change because it'd been so bad the previous month. And then the first mm. half was really kind of. Reprise of those first halves at, at Wolves and at Southampton, and even, even against Palace when you know we we just didn't score and then conceded. But you know we, the intensity was there. They, they looked a lot more confident than they had in previous weeks. And to be honest, you know we we probably I don't know if we had the better of that first half. But we were certainly really dangerous all half, um, and it wasn't a stretch for us to be justly ahead. 1-0 at the break which makes a lot of difference and the goal was particularly hardening as well because well other
0: than the fact that we basically roused the red half of Liverpool because they thought it should have been a foul that was very enjoyable
1: that as well and the and the enjoyment well it's not enjoyable at the time but the the, enjoy, the enjoyment of the VAR being uh, saying it was the goal but but also Rashford you know we've been talking about Rashford in the last few weeks about how he needs to gamble and get in the six yard box and score those scruffy scruffy ins. Mm. and James who was absolutely brilliant the whole game I think he's I really like Dan Dan James he's so brave isn't he you know he basically gets about three concussions a game and just gets up and carries (laughs) on but it's a really good cross and and there was Rashford doing exactly what he should be doing he he faked the front post then peeled back in space and scored from a tap in from four yards so Mm -hmm. you know United went that that was a really heartening thing United went at half time a goal up probably possibly could have been more ahead but then you fear that once the intensity drops that the because it's natural, because you just can't keep that level of pressing and, and, and intensity up for 90 minutes, that we'd slowly get, sort of, retreat back to our, our 18-yard box, and that's exactly what happened, sadly.
0: Yeah, I mean, going back to the goal again, I mean, there was a lot of ire from Liverpool and Klopp in particular about how that goal was allowed to stand. Um, I mean, I'd like to think that I could be disconnected enough from it, and unbiased enough to suggest that if I saw my team concede a goal in those sort of circumstances that I wouldn't be going all hammer and tongs because realistically it wasn't the biggest foul that I've ever seen in my life on Origi you know it wasn't mass. it wasn't a massive clangor enough to suggest that the game should have been stopped and you know everything should have been Reversed. I mean, it, I suppose as well, there was plenty of time in between United actually attacking for Liverpool to have gotten back and actually stopped that goal anyway. So it seems like they were sort of clutching at straws to a certain extent because they literally did create so little. The only thing they really created was that what that one chance that they scored from, which was then rightly chalked off for uh, Mane getting a handball in the build-up. I mean, the real disconcerting thing about that one in particular was that it was uh, carrying on a somewhat worrying recent trend of Victor Lindelof really not being able to cope with those situations whatsoever. You know, he didn't have Mane whatsoever and he's got the size and the strength advantage. Couldn't do anything against it. You know, it was a, at the time in particular, a really poor goal to concede, even if it was Liverpool's only real decent threat of the entire half. And yeah, it was good to go in at halftime with the lead. You know, I think there wasn't necessarily that much of a difference in terms of an increase in level in terms of what United were doing Today, in comparison with what we've seen over the last month or so, I think the difference was is that primarily the big thing was that we took our chance. You know, as you mentioned, that there is obviously a, a certain level of improved performance, but nothing that stand out stood out madly for me. I, th- I think what we did well was stay in the game and show a little bit more fight and verve. You know, I think we've shown flashes of that throughout the last month, but not consistently. And I don't think this performance was. You know, worlds away from what we've been bemoaning over the last sort of several weeks or so. So it was still encouraging to see us go in against Liverpool. You know, one 0 up at half time, and still go on and make sure we didn't lose that game. Don't get me wrong, but I don't think this was a, a massively improved performance, so to say. Really, was it?
1: It was better. I mean, all I can say is that the, the, the last the last month has been amongst the most abject I've ever seen from United team, and I can remember. Both of the last United teams that were flirting with relegation um, <laughs> in '86 and in nineteen you know, in 1989, 90, and both were pr- were pretty hopeless at, at, at the point when they were really struggling.
0: I guess what I'm getting at, in particular, is that second half. You know, you look at the when Liverpool actually got the equalizer and the time building up to the equalizer. Although they didn't have a lot of the ball, when we got the ball, we were absolutely, for the most part, pretty hopeless. You know, we had yeah. a couple of half decent chances here and there, maybe. You know, Rashford with that flash shot from outside the area, Fred inexplicably popping up somehow in the penalty area with that um, half chance as well. But nothing you could say that was really solid. You know, we weren't necessarily even in that second half as a contest. You know, we certainly defended all right and we kept them at bay, but we weren't offering anything on the attack, which is, you know, partly why I didn't think it was on that level at least. It was a gritty defensive performance for sure, but at the same time, I didn't necessarily think it was, you know, Leagues above what we've been seeing the last several weeks.
1: No, that, I think. I think one of the problems, and we've, we've we've talked about two two of the the two issues before. First of all, I don't think Ollie necessarily manages second halves to going very well. We've spoken mm. before about how he. I think he generally sets us up well, particularly when he's got the better players to set up. But he doesn't necessarily respond particularly well to changes that opposition managers make, and and I think that was in play. I mean, you know, he left he left his sub. His first sub until the eighty-third minute, I think. Which, you know, the game was clearly turning against United before, before that. Um, but on the, on the flip side, and, and to a degree, he's respond, he's culpable for this. But some of it's outside his hands as well as he just didn't have anything on the bench to to really impact the game in any meaningful way. He could have brought Matic on to get fresh legs in midfield. But Matic is possibly the slowest man in humanity. Only challenged for that by Juan Mata, who, which was his other. Midfield option on the bench, and neither of them are going to be a lot of good in a in a really high sort of high intensity pressing, high paced end to the game. So yeah, it was just frustrating, kind of watching the inevitable slowly, <clears throat> slowly unfold before us. And and Klopp brought on uh, Lallana, and United switched off because we don't keep many clean sheets because there's always one rickiness every game, and. We don't, we don't score more than one, so it always costs us. And again, I think I think now that's 10 points we've dropped from winning positions in the league this season, which someone pointed out would have a second. So that's annoying.
0: Uh, indeed, yes. I mean, I guess in the particular last couple of weeks, the fact that we've had Arsenal and Liverpool at Old Trafford have been in winning positions going into the second half, and both of those games have seen us drop points due to terrible defensive errors. You know, I've got to, you've got to have a measure of sympathy for Tuanze, but You know, you understand those sort of situations. He just made a bad call at the time, you know. Other than that, he's been really impressive, and it would have been good to see him play today. You know, and side note, Rojo was very much Rojo for the entirety of that game. He wasn't terrible, but you know it was it was that moment that led to a gold that basically cost us today, you know i mean he wasn't the chief culprit i mean andreas Pereira for me, I was as soon as uh, Robertson got that space on the uh, right-hand side of United's defence, I was instantly thinking, why aren't you closing him down quick enough? And he just left it to wan that wasn't fair. You know, Pereira was closer, he really should have closed that cross down. And it wasn't even that good of a cross. You know, Lindelove and Rocco just completely didn't deal with it, and the Lana was free to tap in. Just such a poor goal to concede at the time as well, and that's essentially what our games are defined by. You know, it's one of those days today where essentially we took the one chance that we got and had another defensive error that cost us the points. And yeah, it was nice to see us put in a performance against Liverpool because in a game like that, it's just one you don't want to lose, especially when you're going into like the 86th minute of one-all and you've got five minutes of added-on time. You're just thinking, doesn't matter, just get through it. Just exist. Just try and survive this game. And yeah, it was a positive point to get because let's be honest, Liverpool are several levels above us at the moment. So yeah, there is a you know I'm not necessarily suggesting that a corner has been turned. It was more positive. It wasn't necessarily leaps and bounds and what we're actually... You know, really need to see from the team at the minute, but I guess working in the constraints that Solshar's got, you know, I guess you know you take a point. <laughs> There's not really much more to say about it, really, is there? I mean, I don't think we learned anything more about the players that we've got. Fred was all right. I thought McTominay probably is one of his weaker games so far of this season. Maguire um, was good. Uh, Lindelof again looking a bit shaky. Nice to have Daya back in there, considering that you know he was uh, a doubt, considering he got that injury against Sweden. One playing for Spain during the week. And then uh, the return of Anthony Martial. I mean, he only had one real involvement in the rest in the entire game, really, didn't he? In that sort of 20-minute spell that he had. Was it 80 minutes, actually, that he came on? You said, Rich. Yeah, I so he only had like 10, 15 minutes. It much,
1: yeah.
0: Yeah, he barely had a couple of touches. I think he set Dan James up for a bit of a waltz down the left-hand side, but apart from that, not really involved. But it's going to be big to have him back, surely. Now, you know, you think about the fact that Rashford's been leading the line, and again, you mentioned it earlier on, he, did, he was especially in that game against Bulgaria earlier on in the week, you know, he scored a great goal and it was nice to see him get a scruffy goal today because I think that's the sort of goal that he needs to be scoring at the moment. But it'd be nice to see that load lessened when Martial comes back and the two of them can start playing together again, won't it?
1: Yeah, I think I think if I took another positive as compared to the last month from today is that I I can say I think the front three all played the starting front three all played pretty well. Rashford was certainly much better and you could see he was a lot more confident after after his performance against Bulgaria. James was James has been quiet for the last the last few weeks, just like everybody else really, but he, he was he really had a a very good game um as Rashford's foil and I think Pereira was much, much better than his his recent contributions, which shouldn't be too much of a surprise given that...
0: <laughs> I mean I didn't see it. I did not see that at all, mate. I think it's decision making in particular that sort of that that option when he had Wam to his right and just decided I'm gonna take an extra touch and try and smack this from distance and just sliced it horribly wide it's just his decision making in key moments is so often poor I just didn't see that today you know Neville was giving him you know something of a bit of a compliment and i just are we watching the same game
1: i'm not I'm not sure he was as good as some of as some suggested but I think if he, he linked play very well and he and he also put in quite a shift um in terms of our pressing and um was a bit of a focal point for the for the front front two to play in front of um but i mean it's it's been a while since i could really say that one of our forwards played well in the game so for 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 at least two perhaps three to have had promising games is is something um you know we we're basically starting from the lowest of low bases aren't we you know we we're, we we're, we've, we've looked like a like a a relegation haunted team for the last six weeks um and this was better than that i think um yes that's so fair. so you know, you know i i still think it would not surprise me in the slightest if we went to Norwich next week and just capitulated again. Um, <laughs> but, but you never know. You know. Hopefully, Pogba will be back. I do. I think the international break was a, was actually important for us. It was important for me personally because I'd had enough. <laughs> yeah, me and too. Then, yeah, yeah, I was yeah. glad. <laughs> and watching international football is actually a relief now. Not a uh, not not a not a curse. So it was nice to have two weeks off, and also it just allowed us to get get besaka back, perhaps. For a few players to go away and, and get their confidence up, and for the rest to, to have a couple of weeks' training and uh, perhaps a bit of a mental rest as well. And I think it showed for some, some of that game at least today. Um, mm. So, you know, we, we, we have to cross our fingers without any real hope that that, that will continue next, next week. And hopefully, Bob will be back for then. Marshall might be able to start, and at least we'll have a bit more quality on the pitch.
0: I think the last couple of weeks in particular, it's been quite nice to step away from United. You know, I haven't been on the account as much as I would normally just because I couldn't really think of much more to say, you know. Especially after that Newcastle game, I just felt a bit dazed. You know, there wasn't necessarily anything particularly poignant that could be offered. You know, it was just a poor situation and it wasn't fun to watch United. It wasn't fun to talk about United. Nothing about it was enjoyable. So... Yeah, I guess you were right. I mean, the international break was well-timed in particular. It was just not... And I was away for... Well, I was away just prior to that, so maybe I could have timed it a little better, but still. But no, I mean... I guess going into, you know, the next several games, we've got Partizan Belgrade, uh, what, in successive... Well, over the course of a fortnight, we'll be going off to... Uh, Belgrade on Thursday night for that game in the Europa League, then Norwich, then Chelsea in the Cup, which could be an interesting game considering just how well we tonked to them uh, earlier on in the season. It's not going to be that easy this time, I guess. In particular, the last several weeks have been more defined by what's been going off going on off the pitch, and you know, one uh, Ed Woodward has been making a particular long charm offensive you know there's been an interview with united we stand part of which was serialized by andy misson in uh the national today uh there's been uh leaks from sort of calls over the last couple of weeks we've heard more from ed woodward in this last sort of 10 days or so than we have for the last what two years i would say rich to be honest i mean it's very clear that he's feeling the pinch and the pressure and the scrutiny more so than ever and I think that's right I think that's actually good I think it's good that he's aware that people are very very dissatisfied with the way that he is running the club at the moment and I think that you know it's all very well and good talking about how they feel like they've got the structure of the club and the recruitment process and all these other things and this vision this plan and process correct but at the moment what we're seeing is the very nadir of his planning and his process and his role at the club. So I don't know. I mean it doesn't really hold any water with me. You know, it's 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 very difficult for me to take that man seriously regardless of what he's saying.
1: It's a bit painful, isn't it? It's it's incredibly um incredibly transparent. I mean, he he said in the uh in the United we standing uh, interview that was published today that um <clears throat> that he 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 doesn't take it personally. He doesn't he's not bothered by external criticism yet. Everything he does tells us that, that he's the exact opposite he's incredibly thin-skinned one of the things that continues to surprise me is that i genuinely think that he doesn't really believe he's done a great deal wrong and that that what's happened to united over the last 6 7 years is is kind of just <clears throat> circumstance and not the result of any any decisions that he and his his bosses have made <clears throat> you know he's very quick to put things down to the state of the scouting system when he when he took over um, and all sorts of all manner of behind the scenes things, and I think he probably feels let down by managers without having any, without giving a thought to the fact that he was the guy who appointed the managers who ultimately failed. And it's it's all very well <clears throat> talking about using some elaborate and expensive scouting database to <clears throat> to scout 804 right backs before you before you alight on on the one. The most obvious one to pretty much anybody you watch is the Premier League. Um, <laughs> you know, using that as an example of how United, are some progressive club, when I'm pretty certain that's almost, that's what almost every other top flight club does as well. You know, they mm-hmm. use they use statistical databases, they use their eyes, they use, <clears throat> and they whittle things down. We're not do he's not saying anything revolutionary. And the reality is that that United needed more than three players this summer and he either personally or his bosses or he and a combination of them and ollie decided that we'd stop at three having let over the course of the last 12 months i think eight players leave the club um which is and the ultimate consequence of that is what happened today which is that you you've got yourself in a really good position in the game you've been playing well but everyone's knackered and you've got no one to bring on You've got no one who can come on and actually replicate the job that anybody else is doing. Yeah, I mean, I look at, I've looked, at, I look at the club in the last six weeks, and have ge- genuinely thought this club, this team, and this club looks like it could get relegated. And if you think to have taken the a team that was the Premier League champions and take, got them to a position where they they are very realistic relegation candidates in in six and a half years, is I mean, it would I, I can't even comprehend, I don't, I don't think you you could actually achieve that I, I think people would, you know, a, a mole a, 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 a scouse a scouse mole in the camp would have struggled to have to have unraveled things as spectacular as we have
0: Yeah, I mean I guess the, the thing in particular is how could you do that bad of a job deliberately
1: No, you couldn't I mean, the, the one the thing about the club in the last few weeks is absolutely nothing has functioned nothing in the team has functioned um, Nothing in the transfer window really functioned properly. The whole club, you know, the shares are, the shares are plummeting. The turnover is going to drop by probably about a hundred million next <clears throat> next season. That's if we're in the Premier League. If we're not in the Premier League, then <laughs> it's pro- it'll probably half. I think. I think the reason why we're seeing this charm offensive by <clears throat> by Woodward is that I think for the first time he's under genuine pressure for his job. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I don't believe for a minute. I don't believe for a minute the glazers the glazers would not get rid of him in a a flash if they thought he wasn't making money anymore.
0: No, no, I agree completely, and I I think that you know you look at the fact that he's doing interviews with United. We stand. It's there's always an element of interest and attention that comes with any time you hear Edward would speak because it's such a rare occurrence, isn't it? You know, I guess that the best uh, directors of football or chief executives are the one that you don't hear about because you don't need to hear from them every now and you know, frequently during the course of a season because, you know, if they're doing a good job, then you can just leave them to do it. You know, with Woodward, we're hearing a lot more from him over the last several weeks because, you know, he knows that the pressure's on. And, you know, the big difference between what's happening with Solskjaer and what happened with Moyes, with Van Hal and Mourinho is that fans are more acutely aware than ever of the role that Woodward and the board are playing in where United's current fortunes are taking them and I think that whilst there's definitely an argument to say that Solskjaer is out of his depth, that he struggled, that there are elements of his management that he absolutely must improve if we're going to get anything out of the season we're going to make anything out of this season then there's obviously a lot that he needs to improve but by that same token I don't think that Woodward is immune from criticism it's, he's never necessarily been immune from criticism prior but I think now more than ever this, the spotlight is really shining on him in a very harsh light and I think he's finding that difficult which is why we've had this increased level of briefing, this is why he's uh, decided to do interviews with UWS but obviously it's completely faceless because of what he's saying at the moment which is just not really washing at all, you know, what was what he talking about potential for four... I mean, he wasn't saying this in the interview, but what, briefing of four signings potentially in the January transfer window. I mean, no, if if any club is well run, they do not need to go for four signings in January. If you need them to go for that many signings in a January, the winter transfer window, something has gone desperately, desperately wrong.
1: But it's just bullshit anyway, isn't it? You know, Mm. how... Every every summer we hear... Oh, no, Rich, I fully believe we're going to yeah. buy four players in January. <laughs> I know. It's, it's the fact that the, the, the club still think that we'll read that and think, yeah, they really are going to do something about this. You know, I, I, there was a... Um, the, on, the ongoing thing about the um, director of football or technical director or whatever is it, amusing as ever in that there's clearly... No real intention of actually doing anything significant in that regard, but sometimes oh, we God. what
0: was it today the excuse oh they, no, we don't want to hire a director of football because they might get criticized
1: they might what? be a, they, they might be a scapegoat for the uh, for, for <laughs> recruitment failings i mean that's that's literally what a director of football's supposed to do it's their job to get the the signings <laughs> right, and if they don't they get criticized it's it's like Jesus christ you know one 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 day they're briefing we're still going to get one, but at some indeterminate point down the line the next day we're not because of some some pathetic reason like that I mean that was that was a new low but you know the whole the whole club is just amateur out from from, in in terms of the the senior football side I mean the only the only point that I have some um well the the only point that I kind of concur with him is that there have been changes behind the scenes which I think have been have been positive the the academy is certainly in a lot better shape than it was three or four years ago, the budget's much yeah, bigger sure. the recruitment's been much better at the junior level, <clears throat> you know we have set up a women's team and, and what is looking like a very very well run um, and uh, very competitive women's team in a very sport, short space of time mm. and I, I, I'm perfectly happy to accept that we've <clears throat> we've completely revolutionised in some way the, the recruitment from the kind of sort of ad, ad hoc um, arrangement that, that Fergie had with his brother and Assorted other people who he, you know, kind of scoped players out relatively informally, and but it didn't need to take as long as it has. And I'm perfectly happy to accept that we now have the systems in place for that to to happen. But the reality is that all of those things are completely pointless if the the coaching or if the the pathway for um, for young players and the, the way that young players are developed and the, the or if the guy who's trying to sign. These players that the scouts are recommending doesn't get them in. It's all it's all pointless, isn't it? You know, the, the, you've got to have the end, the end conclusion, the results of those processes. And if they if they just hit a brick wall before we actually get to the first team, what's what's the point in all of that? You know?
0: No, absolutely. I mean, who knows what's going to happen the next several weeks, Rich? I mean, you know, we've got games coming pretty much thick and fast three to four days every pretty much until we get the next international break which from a Welsh perspective I'm actually quite looking forward to but still yeah I don't know I mean you know you actually mentioned a very good reason and something to go for positivity there so let's talk about the women's team did you catch that city game today
1: I caught the first hour um and then unfortunately I had to had to nip out but I think you saw you saw more than me but I mean I was really impressed in the with the first half particularly I think we really given the given I mean, certainly, you went to the first City game, didn't you? The first game of the season, and it, I was, did. it was a relative. It was a pretty competitive and pretty tight game, wasn't it? Really, sort of decided by one, one really fantastic goal. Um, mm. And again, it was a pretty, it was quite a tight, a tight game today. But you could see that United were competing on, on very cl- close terms to City. You know, we're not, we're not absolutely miles behind. Um, and and to have got there in our, in our first season as a top flight. Um, Women's Premier League club is 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 quite impressive, and it, again, it was it was just really nice to see another club that's not the first team really doing really well.
0: I mean, you made the very easy point for me there, which was uh, the fact that we played City just what last month, and you know you could see in some ways that whilst United acquitted themselves very well for the step up into the top flight of English women's football, there there was certainly a, a bit of a gap between the two of us in the sense of how they could actually control the game and the fact that we just simply didn't take our chances and we were punished by an excellent strike from a player that was operating on a level maybe above a couple of the others around them. But yeah, in particular today, I mean, you know, we hit the lead within what six, seven minutes. I literally turned on as Katie Zellmer was winding up for that free kick, and it was so good, <laughs> great strike by the captain. So that was really encouraging to see. But I think, in particular, you know, obviously there's a there's always a different element when you're playing at home. You know, obviously it's nice to be back at Lee Sports Village and playing that game. And obviously after, because the last time we spoke about the women's team was after the Arsenal game. We've had a pretty good run the last few weeks. You know, we had that two 0 win over Liverpool, and then three 0 over Spurs. And both games we deserved to win. You know, there's no getting around that. We were great in both games. But today, in particular, with it being City, you did wonder how we're going to be able to cope with playing again a team that is playing good, very good football. You know, obviously, the the difference was they just played Atletico Madrid in midweek in the Champions League, so there might have been some tired legs out there. But regardless, you know, you think about the the match as a whole and the actual element of winning that match in the manner that we did it's got to be a milestone result for Casey Stoney in the side you know you think back to the Liverpool game the very first competitive match of this new team where we went to Liverpool and won with a last minute goal Uh, very similar in the sense that it's just such a big result and shows just how far we've come and how good the team is at the moment. You know, I think we controlled that game very well. There was only really one decent chance for City that I can recall in the whole of the game. And then Jess Sigsworth with a really, really nice goal finishing off a great move in the second half. Could have been more? You know, City went down to 10 men, a red card for a nasty challenge. And yeah, it could, you know, obviously it's only what could be, you know, it's the Conti Cup. So it's essentially the League Cup for the, the women's game at the minute. So, you know, we're first game in a group of five that we're in at the minute. So it's still early days in that competition. But yeah, a really great result and a really good performance too. And in particular, you know, with... I don't want to keep comparing it to the men's team because it's not fair. But as we've talked about, you know, one of the heartening things about Manchester United Football Club as a whole has been the fact that we've been able to sort out this element of the club that needed, needed attention for years and years and years. United were... Being left behind completely when it came to the women's game, we have built a great team. We've got a great manager, and it's so heartening to see us get performances and results like this in a relatively short space of time. And not only that, it's just great to enjoy it. You know, we're playing good football, and it's enjoyable to watch. People are enjoying it, and the players that we've got are great too.
1: Yeah, it is, and it, and, it, and you, you, we can certainly look at it and think, well, you, you, the women's game has been dominated really by the sort of top three teams from last year by quite a lot for quite a long time. But you can imagine that if United continue to progress at the at the rate they have, obviously with the budget that they've budget advantage they've got over some of the teams below them as well, that, that it's not implausible that we could be really competitive within the next year or two in terms of actually challenging for, tro- for trophies um, <clears throat> with this team. So it's nice to it's nice to look at an area of the club or two areas with the academy and actually see a high level of competence because obviously it's sorely lacking in other areas. <laughs>
0: <laughs> true I mean we're currently fourth in the Super League at the minute you know we've won two lost two and I think after that tricky start with being away at City and then home to Arsenal um, it's it's been good to see us get a response these last three games you know we've taken some chances we've scored some good goals and yeah we're looking a bit more confident which is excellent to see uh, I think that pretty much covers it for this week Rich um, good to be back uh, predictions for the next week so we've got Partizan Belgrade on Thursday and Norwich on Sunday
1: I, I don't I don't really know what to expect on Thursday. I suspect it'll be another scratch team and a scratch performance. I, I think, if anything, I'd like to see... The one thing I'd like to see is James Garner perhaps start a game, um, because he's the one guy that I looked at on the bench today who, in terms of his energy and mobility, could have come on and, to a degree, replicated the role of Fred or McTominay or, or Pereira in, in a way that Matic couldn't. Um, but obviously... It's a risk, given that the 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 jump between under twenty three football and first team football is absolutely enormous. But he was the one guy I watched the FA Trophy or the whatever the uh, the lower league cup is against um, Lincoln a couple of weeks ago, and a lot of the United players really struggled with the intensity of that game and the uh, just the, just the, the rising quality from the, as to what they are used to. But Garner was the one that just didn't look out of place at all, and obviously he scored a really good winner as well. It's not the I mean, it wouldn't be the end of the world if we lost in Belgrade. I'd like to see him start a game and actually get 90 minutes and see what sort of level he can actually com- compete at at the moment. Um, because... He wouldn't show
0: me a Brandon Williams got a game, to be honest. He came on as a no. second-half substitute today, and he's getting a good push at the minute. So, yeah, I'd like to see him giving a go at left-back. He was, There's he no was, reason not to.
1: Well, he was he was certainly United's best player, I thought, against Outmar, or most promising player against Altmar And um, <clears throat> I think he's uh, he's been really impressive for the England under-20s the last the last couple of um couple of games as well i know somebody who went to the the second game and they said he was england's standout performer in that one gomez was was certainly our best player against italy in the first game so we have actually got a few of the younger players who are doing quite you know particularly well in the age group national teams now which is something we've we've missed as well so i really want to i i want to i want to see how he does and i really like to see a bit more of Greenwood and Gomez and if we lose on Thursday it doesn't matter, the The Norwich game is far more important and we really 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 need to follow up a promising performance, of a slightly promising performance today with another competent performance as well and perhaps we will if um, if Pogba's, Pogba's back, I mean it's, it's interesting, you look at the two the, the fixtures we've had this season, someone pointed out we've played three of the top four this, this year We've won two, or well, the current top four. We've won two and drawn one. Scored six and conceded one. You know, we're we're, we're actually quite good against teams that are, they're open and come out and play. It's against the teams that sit sit deep and compact and break on us that we that we struggle. And Norwich aren't going to do that. You know, Norwich have, have even in the first game of the season at, at Anfield, they went to Anfield and and tried to to play their way through Liverpool, and they'll certainly do that again. And it, it, they fell foul of it against Villa, losing five conceding five goals at home so if United are on it, it's certainly a game we can win because they're not going to play they're not going to play into our, our our one obvious weakness and with Pogba mm. back perhaps we can do a bit more damage
0: I okay, think the other thing to mention was a nice new contract from Mason Greenwood which is yeah it's great news I mean also Fabrizio Romano from the Guardian talking about uh, Gomez who is close towards for signing a new deal so a couple of the youngsters who have certainly had some minutes lately in particular Mason considering he's got two goals already in very very tight games I mean you know, on a purely recent level we need all the goal scorers we can get, so I'm glad that we've tied him down for the foreseeable future. But yeah, good news. I guess we can leave it there on a relative high note. Alright Rich, thanks for your company. Pleasure. All right, guys. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you for rejoining us. Sorry for the slight radio silence as mentioned previously, but don't forget, you can always get us all over the internet So do show wish. You can get Rich at Rich Red Voices. You can get me at Ewan Leonard. You can get the pod at Red Voices M-U-F-C or should you choose redvoices.net. The podcast can also be found on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify and the Apple Podcasting app. Have yourselves a superb week. We'll be back after Norwich. Cheerio. Cheerio. <laughs>